Turn your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter 6. And again, we just finished this time as Jesus instructs the, the disciples. He gives them this prayer, often called the Lord's Prayer, but really more importantly, the disciples' prayer. And as he transitions from that prayer, and this is so important for us to see, remember he's already talked about hypocrisy and kind of how we handle our giving. You know, the, the Pharisees kind of trumpeted themselves. And then he talked very briefly as, as he leads into prayer. And he says, you know, don't do that hypocritically. Now, he gives us model. He gives us outline. He gives us incredible prayer. It took us six weeks to get through. He, he, he explains to us the heart, the soul of prayer. And then he turns back to exactly what happens to us so very frequently and so often. We learn how to do something well. We learn how to do it right. We get the right instruction. We understand fully that this is what the Lord wants for us. And then we figure out some way to do the right thing the wrong way. We actually act hypocritically. And before we turn our attention to the scriptures before us, before we pick up in the 16th verse here in Matthew 6, so many people come to church for the wrong reason. They think they're going to square away, you know, like a week's worth of misdeeds, so I'll go to church on Sunday. And then people will see me there, and they'll think that I'm holy. People carry around their Bible put it on the dash of their car, maybe even take it into work in hopes that people will see it and they'll think, oh, that guy must really be on fire. Man, she's got to be on fire for the Lord. And so Jesus now turns his attention and he uses the phrase moreover, or it could be said, and he says again, repeats for a third time now, when you fast. You might think to yourself, well, how can you mess up fasting? Real easy if your heart's wrong. Would you pray with me? Father, thanks for tonight. Lord, thanks for the beauty, the wonder of worship. Lord, thank you that we've been able to be in your throne room and we pray now that we just continue there. We'd stay there. We'd sit there. We'd hear from heaven. And Lord, we don't want to be hypocritical in anything. And so, Father, we give you this time. Again, help us to scatter out amongst the rocks there on the the mount. We pray as you spoke then to the disciples, to the multitude, that we would hear tonight as well. Lord, we simply want our Savior to speak to us. And so we give you this time, and we ask that you, Lord, would instruct us from heaven. We ask these things in the amazing name of Jesus. Amen. And moreover, verse 16 says here in Matthew 6, when you fast, don't be like the hypocrites. There's that word again. And again, to remind you that it's really a a term that's best described as one who's an actor. It meant in the original language, uh, hypocrites. It's someone who actually was multi-faced or played a role in uh, a Greek play. And normally 
the mask that they would wear would have one or two or three or even sometimes four different sides. And so depending on the character that that person was playing, they would simply turn the mask around. So if you needed to be serious, you had a serious side. If you needed to be happy, you had a happy side. If you needed to be introspective, you had a thinking side. If you needed to be something other than any of those three things, then there was one side that was for something else. But the point being is someone who's a hypocrite changes who they are to cert, cert, to, the, to the circumstances which they find themselves in. And in other words, they're acting. It's not the real them. It's not the person that they actually are that's on display. It's a person that they would like people to think that they are, or a feeling that they would like to convey. And so Jesus says, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with sad countenance. For they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. And so you can see the picture here. It's just like, you know, they grab the rattiest garments, and we'll get into this in a moment, but, but they would literally disfigure themselves to the place that when someone would look at them, they would be seen as someone who's super holy, that's given up everything, so obviously this person has to be right with God. Let me explain it in a little bit different way. It was sleight of hand. You see, it was really someone saying, well, I'm actually this way, but don't look over there. You know the scene there in The Wizard of Oz? Don't look behind the curtain, the great and mighty Jeff, the all-powerful, the great prayer, the one who fasts frequently and often is behind it. Do not look behind there. And you kind of disguise who it is that's Really you. Don't pay attention to what you actually see. Look at my countenance. Can't you see I'm carrying three study Bibles and an interlinear concordance on top of it? I've got a Greek and a Hebrew lexicon and everywhere I go, People know that I am walking with God. You see, there are people that do that. And in this case, there were very few things that in the Hebrew mind was more important than keeping the fast. And so Jesus says, assuredly, I say to you that they have the reward. (laughs) Not a good idea when Jesus says your reward is being hungry and dirty. But when you appear, and when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting. In other words, when you're doing something that is absolutely for the Lord, don't make a show out of it. Do it for God. Furthermore, put your best foot forward your sweetest face on, and you go about your life as though nothing unusual is going on here. 
anoint your head, wash your face, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place. And though he's speaking directly of of fasting, he's really talking about virtually anything that we can do that has some religious implications. How many people light candles? How many people carry a photo of one kind or another? How many people have a, a larger... How many people actually wander through the bookstore? They're actually chasing that hot girl, but they're wandering through the bookstore thumbing Bibles. You see, God sees through all that. It's not fooling him. And so what the Lord Jesus is saying to the disciples is they've now finished this wonderful piece of outline for our prayer life. He says, but your father who is in the secret place, your father who sees in secret, will reward you openly. In other words, if you really want to have God's approval then keep your holiness to yourself. No one else needs to know what it is. You don't need to put on the back of your car, I'm fasting. You don't have to have a bumper sticker that says, I read my Bible constantly. You don't need to walk around with you know, tracks hanging out of every single pocket. Having tracks on you is a great thing. But when you carry them so that other people will see that you have them, what the Lord's saying is you you might want to check your motivation. You might want to look at why you do what you do. You see, people have some very strange ideas about this particular issue that's before us, this issue of fasting. And so for the third time, basically, Jesus says, look, don't be a hypocrite. Don't do what you do because you want to be praised by men. Don't do what you do because you want, you know, Pastor Jeff to see you. We used to we used to just laugh hilariously, those of us that had been around Pastor Chuck and Pastor Steve for the exact same reason, but very often people literally would change their voice into like their Hi, I'm Jeff. You know, they they would change into their like holy voice when they'd get around Pastor Chuck. And all of a sudden, they'd talk differently. And, and, you know, normally you could hear them using surfer slang, and it's, oh, great and mighty holy one of God. You know, it's just like, you, you don't think God sees that? Not impressing him. He really doesn't care. He, he, you don't have to change for him. You can pray just as we already talked about, just be yourself before the Lord. Amen? And when you fast, it's between you and God. No one should even know. You should go out of your way the other way to not let people know that you're fasting. You know, to the, at least to the point that you might have to be rude. You know, they invite you over for dinner. No, the food you're, you're serving, I don't like that. No, you, you can tell them, no, before the Lord, I'm really trying to spend some time with Jesus. But you don't have to coat yourself in ashes. You don't need to rent your garments to make extra points with people. Because it's not people you're trying to please, it's God. And we need to remember that. 
In our modern Western society, we have a lot of people, you know, we live in a day and an age where it seems like there's now a fast for virtually everything. You know, we, we're going to lose some weight, so I'm going to go on a 21-day fast and a cleanse. and all. It's just like, I, I don't want to know. I don't care. If God tells you to do that, you do that. But I want to share something with you. There's actually only one prescribed fast in all of Scripture that was commanded. It was commanded of the Jewish people, and it was around one particular holiday. It was the, the, the actual high holy day, the big one, the, the, the absolute highest of all the holy, the day of awe. It was on Yom Kippur. And we've kind of taken it to mean something very, very, very differently. Now, let me say this before I get too far along here. It's important for us to recognize that there are times when God may ask you to fast. But it's not so other people can see that you're really intent on hearing from God. It's so that you can really hear from God. It's so that God can speak to you. Other people knowing about it has nothing to do with what's going to happen. And so when you fast... Basically what it's saying is clean yourself up, do your hair, do your nails, put on some nice clothes, and you go about your business as if everything else on this earth was exactly as it should be. Don't let anybody know. So, a lady named Kathy Cash was her last name, lived in Dallas, Texas, you wrote a little story about her five-year-old daughter, Jenny. And she'd recently, in Sunday school, learned about Daniel's fast. And so she went home and uh, was talking about it with her parents. And and she understood very clearly that it meant not eating. And so asking her daughter what she thought it meant, she says, well, it it means fasting. Well, your your dad's going to fast. And so she walked into her dad. She says, Dad, no, you you can't fast. And dad looked at her and says, "Well, well, why? You know, people in the Bible times, the Old Testament, New Testament, they fasted. You pause for a moment, kind of with a little, you know, sigh of warning. She says, no, you can't fast because everyone who fasted died. And dad looked at her and says, well, well, yeah, that, that, that's true. And she goes, well, if they all died, won't you die if you fast? You, you see, sometimes we kind of leave it in the temporal we, we don't realize that there's something that God wants to do in our lives. And so we pull it out of the spiritual and we put it into the temporal, into this world. And God wants us to leave it this particular thing, especially in the spiritual realm. It's between you and God. And when you think about it, during the Old Testament times, we have all kinds of, you know, Samuel, Hannah, Hananiah, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Daniel, all, Isaiah fasted. So many of the Old Testament saints, the prophets, fasted. And so there's some value to it, to be sure. But there was only one time I fasted before. Probably many of you have in this room. But when Jesus says, when you do it, leave it between you and the Lord alone, it's because God wants some alone time with you. And I would ask you a simple question. Does God get alone time with you? Are you willing to give up all distraction to be alone with God? Are you willing to set aside? And it's kind of a bummer we got this passage right after Thanksgiving. Amen? I didn't, you know, we just kept going. 
But think about it for a second. Can you imagine what it would be like to sit down at the Thanksgiving table and just begin to pray and say, Lord, I so badly want to hear from you, I'm not eating turkey and gravy. Lord, I so badly want to hear your voice. I want to know what it is that you want of me. That situation, that thing that you're going through, you so badly want to hear from the Lord that that you would set aside cranberry sauce, pecan pie, my personal favorite. You see, there's a secret component to all three of these things. When you do them before the Lord, you gain nothing out of them. Except that God would speak to you in a new and a fresh way. On the Day of Atonement, often called the Sabbath of Sabbaths, if you want to read about it, you can read there in Leviticus 16 and 17. You can see this whole thing play out. There was something that happened, but, but the children of Israel were instructed that they were to keep a solemn fast, they were to deny themselves, and, and then attached to it was something that's very important for us in this context. Because it foreshadowed someone and something that you all know very well. The people fasted from uh, the 9th of Tishri until the 10th of Tishri. They, they would begin there in our month of October, and they start just denying themselves, and they would confess their sins. And then the, the high priest would select two goats, those two goats. One would be the sacrificial offering. The other one would be the scapegoat. And the sacrificial offering would be slaughtered. Its blood would be put on the mercy seat there in the Holy of Holies. He'd enter in through the veil, and he would offer up for his own family, for the rest of the priests, for the children of Israel. The blood would be spread upon the altar. And it would be then and only then, the one day of the year, the one day of the year, that everything got erased. Their sins were blotted out. And so that was the time when the Hebrew people, the Jewish people, would fast. Because they so desperately wanted to be clean before the Lord. They so desperately wanted to hear a word from God that everything was okay, that they were in the right place, they were doing what God had asked of them. They said, we'll deny everything. That second goat, interesting goat, Because that goat would be the scapegoat. And it would be that goat. The high priest would bless that goat. He would lay his hands on it. He would confess the sins of the children of Israel. And then that goat would be taken out into the wilderness and released. There's one man who did both things permanently for all of us. His name is Jesus. The children of Israel were told to fast during that time. Because it was so holy what the high priest was doing because the sins were being literally paid for with the blood of an innocent goat. And so were they paid for that just the remembrance of them was put onto the scapegoat. It was taken to be released, never more to be seen. And so when the children of Israel wanted to have the deepest moment with the Lord... I said, I'm not going to eat anything. I want to hear from God. I'm going to deny myself. I'll, go, I'll do whatever it takes. And this is the picture for us tonight. Are you willing to do whatever it takes to hear the voice of God? 
Are you willing to set aside some desire that you have? Are you willing to set aside some career path? Are you willing to set aside? Are you willing to deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow him? Because that's what the Lord's after. He's not after us looking at stuff and going, well, you know, look how much I'm giving up for God. A lot of Christians want everybody else to know what it is that they've done. God already knows what you've done. And he's the one you're trying to please. You know, every once in a while people will come and they'll say things like, you know, I want to do this or I want to do that. And, and I will usually say, well, that's, that's really wonderful. Go ahead and do it. And they kind of look at me strange. It's like they're expecting me to, you know, put a plaque or something out in the lobby so that everybody can know that that happened. And I will usually say something like, ah, oh, it's just awesome. I'm sure the Lord is really pleased. And they're waiting for, for affirmation that it's a wonderful thing. And it is a wonderful thing. But what we do in the body of Christ, we do for the Lord. Amen? You're not doing it for me. You're not doing it for Pastor Pat. You're not doing it for Pastor Rob. You're not doing it for the church. You're doing what you do for the Lord. Please continue to do that. I don't need to be impressed. I don't want to be impressed. Because there's nothing about me that's going to impress you. And probably nothing about you that's going to impress uh, yourself either. So we, we can just get over that part. And do what we do before the Lord. And say, God, I just want you to be pleased. I want you to see what I do. And I want that to be a smile on your face. You see the symbol there at the Day of Atonement was, was God accepting the sacrifice for the people. God accepts the sacrifice of the people when it's right here. So nobody really needs to see it. Nobody needs to know about it. And so by faith, we lay our hands on Jesus. Amen? By faith, we, we believe. Remember, as we said this morning, you know, there's a, there's a place in time where he who began that good work in you, when God starts to work in your life and all of a sudden things start to change, you know, along this, this path that we call sanctification, before you get to the other end, God may ask you to do something extraordinary. And he may at that time say to you, look, would you deny yourself so that I can talk to you? Major decisions, a great place to implement trying to hear from the Lord in that way. There in Leviticus chapter 16, it says in the 29th verse, and this shall be a statute forever to you on the seventh month, tenth day of the month, you shall afflict your souls. That's another way of saying that you'll fast. You'll do no work at all, whether you're a native of your own country, a stranger who dwells among you. For on that day, the priest shall make an atonement for you and cleanse you, for you may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. You, you see, what God was looking for was for the people to be right before him. Not for a super amazing, unbelievable sacrifice. You see, what he desires from us is obedience. He wants our hearts, not just our hands. He wants what's inside, not just what's outside. Just like giving, just like praying. There's all kinds of things that we can do with our time before the Lord. But we can misuse that time. And so the, 
the slight warning that's here, and I wouldn't really call it a warning, I think it's an admonition speaking to us out of, out of that heart of love for us. We need to just make sure that our hearts are right when we do what we do. There are sometimes people who come to be prayed for that they're, they're really wanting everybody to know that there's something going on in their life. They're not actually looking for God to do anything. You want somebody to agree with them. Again, it's a heart issue. Make sure that your heart's right. Whether you're praying, whether you're fasting, whether you're giving, your heart is the issue. It is out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth is supposed to speak. Amen? That's what Jesus said. There were two days back in those days and times, and it's interesting because when you look at what's going on here, there were two actual days of the week. The Pharisees used to fast on two days a week every day. They would fast on the second and the fifth days. Interestingly enough, guess which days those were back in that day and time? They were the market days. So what would the Pharisees do? They'd get themselves all dirty, all messed up. They'd fluff up their hair. You know, they'd make it look like it just crawled out of a bush someplace. And they'd go into the marketplace while everybody is in town buying things from the market, and they would act like they were fasting. And here's how it translates to us. God's after your heart. If there's something going on in your marriage, God wants to get that thing right in your marriage. He doesn't just want you to come to church. He wants to heal the actual problem. He wants to get at the heart of it. If there's something wrong in your life, you've got a sin issue. God wants at that sin issue. He wants it to be right between you and him. He wants you to come for the right reason. Not to try and brush it off, but to actually deal with it. Actually take care of it. You see, God doesn't just want to show. He wants us to, to be real with him all the time. Not just, wow, you know, you must be really spiritual. That's just a way of deflecting the issue that's actually happening in our lives. And God sees right through it. And usually people do as well. When the disciples, John the Baptist, asked Jesus about this whole issue, there in Matthew chapter 9, he's going to ask the same basic thing again. He says there in verse 14, he says, The attendants of the bridegroom can't mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them. And can they? But in the days that will come, the bridegroom is taken away from them. Then they'll fast. He's talking about the same issue. He says, look, there's going to come a point in time when it's all going to get very real for you. You might as well be real now. There's going to come a time when Jesus isn't going to be around. That's what he's saying. And so God wants us to be real with him. And I think the lesson from this whole passage, really, if, if you look at these three things together, is there are times when we give extraordinarily. There are times when we pray extraordinarily. There are times when God wants to speak into our lives in very unique, very specific things that require some added oomph, if you will. It's like, Lord, I really want to, I don't want to mess this up. If you're contemplating marriage, great time to fast. You're contemplating some major thing like buying a house, great time to fast. You're contemplating going into ministry, great time to fast. You're contemplating going to college, maybe you're going to move away, get a new, so it's a great time to fast. Say, God, I want to hear your voice. I don't want anything to stand in the way, including double doubles. I, I don't want Cheetos to stand between me and hearing you, you and hearing your voice. 
It's a great time. But the, but the same is true for almost everything in your life. God doesn't want you just reading. He wants you reading to take in from his voice. God doesn't want you just praying. He wants you praying so you can hear his voice and then do something with what you hear. He doesn't want you just fasting so that other people will see you and go, wow, you must really be spiritual because you don't eat today. And so he says, don't do what the hypocrites do. You see, there's an overwhelming danger when doing anything that is really spiritual. Because the enemy's going to come, he's going to try and pollute it. Our, our, our church going can become a religious activity, can't it? Our prayer life, our devotional life, all of it. Every bit of it can become an act if we're not careful. And so the Lord is saying, let's keep these things that are spiritual between us. Let's have intensity. Let's have determination. Let's have those times to where it's just me and you, Jeff. And so when God asks you to do that, he's looking to do something very special with you. Nobody else needs to hear it. Nobody else needs to know about it. And so I just simply encourage you in this tonight, whether it's tasty food or whether it's, you know, your prayer life or whether it's, you know, something that somebody's got a need and you want to help them meet that need. If you're well-pleasing with the Lord, you're going to be fine. Tell God about it. Ask God about it. Make it sincere. Let him know. That you, that you want to hear his voice very clearly. You, you see, fasting, praying, giving, none of it makes up for rotten living. Rotten living is still rotten living. And that's an issue where you need to confess those things before the Lord and have him cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But it's not like so many people believe, well, if I just fast, then all these things that I did, I don't really need to give to the Lord. Or if I just give, I can give a little extra in, in my tithe and that will square away the fact that I'm doing something exactly what God told me not to do. Don't get caught in that trap because God sees right through it. And he loves us enough to let us suffer the consequences of being actors. He wants us to have a pure heart. The Lord told the prophet Zechariah in Zechariah chapter 7, verse 5. This is when you fasted and mourned in the fifth and the seventh month. He's speaking of the Yom Kippur for those 70 years. They fasted for 70 years. Think about it. While they were in captivity in Babylon. Think about it. They fasted for 70 years regularly. And they didn't hear the voice of God. It's because they did it with the wrong heart. It became a job. It became like something else. You could check off the box. Yep, went to church. Yep, did my devotions. Yep, I highlighted, I marked my Bible. He says, thus has the Lord of hosts said to you, dispense true justice, practice kindness, compassion, each to his brother, and do not oppress the widow and the orphan. He says, get down to the real stuff. Actually, Make sure that it's real. Do not devise evil in your hearts one against the other. You see, what the Lord was asking of them was they needed a heart change. Not just an outward action.
So he says, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, so that you may not be seen as fasting by men. This is the equivalent of saying, go have a, a little mini spa treatment. Go clean yourself up. He's saying, look, go, that, that was what they would do. When you anointed the head with oil, it was, a, it was a matter of good grooming. They would take that oil and slick the hair down and make it look nice. Often that oil was scented. It was partially like we would call a perfume. It was a way to get rid of the, the smell of life. They washed the face. That, that's that day-to-day living stuff. So you can see it, it's, it's take care of the whole you and it's take care of the day-to-day you. Take care of the, the thing that people most often see and take care of the things that really nobody knows about. Because nobody knows how your day was today. They only know how they see you. And so the Lord's saying, look, let them see the real you. Have not I been good? Jesus' point was everybody who does these things ought to do as best they can to try and make themselves look completely normal like nothing's going on and then let God sort out the details. If you want to fast, you want to hear more clearly, then keep it between you and God. If, If you want to get more out of the word, then spend quiet time with the Lord. If you want to get more of your prayer life, make it between you and God. Beg Him. Ask Him. Beseech Him. Agonize over your prayer life. Ask the Lord to do something in you that's never happened before. And as you think on these things, assemble them all together in a singular package and just look at it this way. The Lord wants you to be real with Him. He's always going to be truthful with you. But he wants you to be truthful with him. Real with him. Exposed to him. Not hiding anything. Not holding anything back. So that when he speaks to you, you know it's his voice. Because you spend all kinds of time setting up the, the situation whereby God can speak to you. And you do it with falsehood. You're going to have a tough time discerning whether it's the voice of the Lord or not. When you make a show out of it, you're going to have a tough time discerning whether it's the voice of the Lord or not. So the short path is be real with God. Be honest with him. Be honest in front of other people. It's okay that people know that there's something going on in your life that you need help with. That you need prayer for I'm going to bring the worship team back out and we're going to spend some time not just worshiping the Lord. We're going to have the prayer team come forward. And so if there's something, maybe you've just had one of those weeks to where there's just some, some buildup. You know, there's some gunk in the old spiritual engine. Maybe there's some things you just need to get right with the Lord. You've been playing games. Maybe you've been playing games with your family. Maybe your spouse. Maybe they don't even know what's going on in your heart. They don't know what's going on in your mind. Perhaps tonight you, you've spent some time away from the Lord and you really want to come back, but you don't know where to start. But I want to encourage you, be real with God.
Stop pretending. Quit switching faces. Stop moving the mask around. Let him know who you are. Ask of him, inquire, his word says in his holy temple. Seek and you'll find. You you see, for us, we get God's best when we give him ours. When we're right, when we're real. And I simply would encourage you to do that. It's a great way for the voice of the Lord to be very audible in your life. So the prayer team's going to come on down. We're going to worship for a little bit, come back up and dismiss you. But if you've got something going on in your life, maybe you've been a little bit of a hypocrite. And you just want a fresh start. Our God's a God of fresh starts. Amen. He loves us. Prove that by sending Jesus to the cross. Just trust him. Believe him. Take him at his word. And be real with God. Amen.